Out of every 100 men, 10 of them shouldn't be there. 80 of them are just targets. Nine are the real fighters, and we are lucky to have them. Ah, but the one. One is a warrior, and he will bring the others back. Heraclitus, the Greek philosopher. Welcome to episode three. Over the past couple episodes, we've taken some of God's word and we've pulled it out and we've looked at it, we've explained it, and we've seen how it applies to our lives. In this episode, I'm looking to do two things. I want to share with you what Kingdom Ministries is all about and how I believe God is going to use it and what he's growing it into. Secondly, I want to take a risk and I want to tell part of my story and show you how it ties into Kingdom Ministries. Kingdom Ministries exists to define godly masculinity to celebrate those men who get it right and to equip those men that want to get it right and stand in the gap for those young men who don't have either. Though our logo has a chess piece king, the idea of king me is based loosely on the game of checkers. As you know, the best way to secure a win in that game is to move your game piece to your opponent's side of the board where they must respond to your demands of king me. In achieving this, you grow your game piece to a king which allows you to move him in any direction you want, thus opening your options to dominate the game board. King Me sees the father as God's family head, where he and he alone has the power and position to take his sons through a process of development into manhood through a series of intentional initiations and celebrations that culminate with a son recognizing and embracing his father's approval on his entrance into manhood. While I know any woman or mom who may see King Me Ministries might object or question why I'm choosing to highlight the role of men here and not women or moms. Well, the answer is really simple. I'm not a woman or I'm not a mom. I'm a man and a biological dad to five kids and a stepdad to three more. And so I will use my experiences and my understanding to empower and celebrate men. Also, King Me Ministries doesn't exist just for men and their sons. Daughters need their dads as much as sons do. They need a capable man who not only knows how to handle their heart, but who's willing to stand up and be the standard by which they will filter all the men they encounter. Women, moms, you are important. Don't think for a second that your role takes second place to dads, but dads are important. The reality is, where would we be without women? Well, the joke is we'd probably still be in the Garden of Eden. I'm kidding. I'll go out on a limb here and say that almost without exception, every problem our world faces is traced back to men not being men. Here's the cold water truth. A woman didn't let us down in the garden. Man did. You see, he was given by God the task of not only sharing God's expectations with his wife, he was supposed to protect her, and he didn't. His God-given job was to stand between his bride and anything that desired to hurt her. Adam not stepping up and protecting his wife and leading her was the beginning of our downfall as men. And we need to correct that. What this world needs are dangerous men who use their God-ordained strength and broad shoulders to step up and step between their wives, sons, daughters, and make this evil world climb over their cold, lifeless body if it is to claim our families. Watching a Christmas movie a few years ago, I think it was The Christmas Carol, the cartoon version, I heard this quote that stuck with me ever since. I see you wear a sheath, but you carry no sword. I can't recall the context of that movie, or that part at least, 
but and it doesn't really matter. Uh, the parallel to what I see as I look at the men in our world is astounding. So many men walking around with the title of man. They wear a sheath, but very few of them carry a sword and do what's necessary as a man to stand up and stand between those entrusted to him and the evil that desires to ruin them. Israel Gaither says this, Anything that offends and makes a man or woman, boy or girl, less than what God intended, well, that's a war, and that's a battle we're willing to fight. There's an old Irish story that has a man standing before St. Peter entering heaven when Peter sees him and approaches him and says to the young man, Son, where are your scars? To that, the man proudly responds, I have none. And St. Peter, with tears in his eyes, looks at the man and says, Wasn't there anything worth fighting for? That's really what King Me Ministries is all about. Celebrating those men who have picked up their sword and are standing between their families and that evil that wants to hurt them. And then equipping those men that don't have the sword but want to stand up and do what's necessary. And then together using those swords to do exactly what God created us to do. You have to admit, as you look around our world today, it looks like a lot of men wearing a sheath, but very few of them carrying a sword. In an effort to defend our need for godly masculinity, John Eldred says, Yes, a man is a dangerous thing, and so is a scalpel. It can wound or it can save your life. You don't make it safe by making it dull. You put it in the hands of someone who knows how to use it. While masculinity in the wrong hands can be the, a bad thing, the answer to that is not to get rid of masculinity, but it's to train up a group of men that know how to handle it and handle it appropriately. A pastor recently asked this question, If you couldn't fail, what would you do for the glory of God? If you could do anything you wanted to bring glory to God, knowing that your plans wouldn't fail, what would you do? And he goes on to ask, then why are you not doing it? I've known for a long, long time that my passion is king me. I love being a husband and a dad. And I love the process that God has and is bringing me through to grow me into the man that he can trust me with the power and the leadership necessary to lead this family. I also know that our deepest passions often come out of our greatest wounds. So I'm going to take a risk and tell you a little bit about my story. I grew up in a working class, poor family. Uh, we never had much. We never went without. But what we had never came without a struggle. Uh, the first 11 years of my life were, were pretty normal. Really, at eight years old, things changed, and I'll get to that in a second. But I grew up in a bigger family. I had three sisters. Dad worked in a factory. He was a hard worker, uh, but limited education, limited his capacity to earn a good living. Oftentimes, Dad would pick up a second job, uh, just to make ends meet while mom stayed home and, and raised the kids and took care of the house. But up until about eight years old, uh, I remember having dinner every night as a family. Uh, there was structure and discipline. That was part of our lives. Unique in the sense I was the only believer in our family. Our family was not religious. I loved this TV show on, I think it was USA. It's called Storybook. Uh, but it's a story of these two kids that would travel back into biblical times and, you know, they would kind of witness some of the biblical stories. And I, and I really fell in love with God at an early age. I can't recall a time in my life where I didn't believe in God. 
I remember being uh, invited to a VBS by our neighbor who, who herself was not really a Christian, but she used to go to the church and uh, she wanted these kids in the neighborhood to do something else other than throwing acorns at her RV. So we all piled into the church van and we went. I was the only one that stayed a part of the church. In fact, a couple weeks later, they sent us off to summer camp for a week where I was introduced to the Jesus that I had been learning about and put my faith in him. I loved church. I wanted to learn as much about God as I could. My parents thought it was a good idea to let me spend a ton of time at church, even uh, to the point of spending overnight. I loved church, and I loved being there anytime I could be. What I'm going to share is the hardest thing that I've ever had to come to terms with. I was sexually abused by someone that I should have been able to trust in a place that I loved to be. I wanted to learn what it looked like to love, follow, and serve God, and what I got was years of abuse instead. It started when I was just eight years old, and it would continue for years to come. Those are the hardest words that I've ever had to say out loud. It took years to admit it, even to myself. I carried that around and suppressed it in my heart for so long. When I finally trusted my wife, Epi, with that part of my story, she said the words that I longed to hear but couldn't say them to myself. She said, Dennis, what happened to you didn't happen to Dennis the man. That man would never allow that. What was done to you was done to a little helpless boy who was just looking for Jesus. Her words gave me the courage and the freedom to speak what happened to me. I was no longer afraid that I'd be judged as a weak man. I'd be seen as a man with the courage to stand up for that eight-year-old boy and to tell his story. I carried what happened to me for more than 30 years. I never told a soul. Truth is, I suppressed it so deeply that I didn't even think about it, dwell on it, or even process it until I heard that that same person had hurt a long list of other boys. When I heard the news, that wound was opened, like someone ripping the scab off a deep cut. For two solid years, the memories flooded back. I still don't know how I survived those nightmares and the memories if it hadn't been for the love of God and his intervention. I kept having this reoccurring dream that I was powerless to stop from being abused. Even when in the dream I had a weapon and I could protect myself, inevitably that weapon would fail right at the moment I needed it most. I hated going to sleep at night. I thought it would never end. I'm not sure why God allowed me to go through that as a kid. I was looking for him after all, and what I got was anything but him. To take a page out of C.S. Lewis's book, he said that when he stands in heaven, the first thing out of his mouth is going to be, aha, now it makes sense. My greater struggle is, why did God open this wound again? Why did he bring me back into this, this thing that happened that I had suppressed and I had forgotten for all these years? I believe the answer to that question is proving to be that God needed to bring me back into that so that he could heal a part of me that I couldn't even remember was broken. There's another story from my youth that really helps to illustrate what I think is going on here. At the age of 10 years old, I was playing hide-and-go-seek with my cousins, and uh, as my cousin was coming around the corner, I quickly dipped down behind some lilac trees, and I sat on this property pole. It's just this round peg that was about two and a half feet off the ground right along the property. 
And this pole went about three inches into my left leg, about an inch below my butt. Uh, not that big of a deal. My parents took me to the ER. They cleaned it. They sewed it. They stitched it. Uh, but then about two weeks later, my leg started to get infected. And my mom, of course, in her panic, took me to the hospital. And my doctor lanced it open and told my mom that what she's going to have to do over the next few weeks is she's going to take this long Q-tip and she's going to stick it into the wound and keep it open at the top, which was going to allow the wound to heal from the inside out. She did this process for a couple weeks, and uh, just I remember one day uh, she was cleaning it, and it had almost been completely healed, and she started freaking out in the process of cleaning it. Uh, what she discovered was what she thought was just a group of veins that had started to protrude from, my, from the wound, and she kind of freaked and wasn't sure what to do, but uh, upon... A deeper discovery, she realized that it was really just a part of my pants that after the accident had been sewn into my leg. That was a great story. I remember my mom's panic. But I think that that's the closest that I can get to understanding why God allowed this wound to be opened up in my life again. He knew that it was killing me, even though I didn't know it. It was coming out in some crazy ways. And what he needed to do was he needed that wound to be open so that he could allow it to be healed from the inside out. God was taking it from a scabbed over wound to a scar. And that's exactly what has happened. I no longer have nightmares. I no longer have hate. I no longer allow that thing that happened to me as a child to come out in different ways. God is true to his word. He really has healed me from the inside out. And it doesn't impact my life. Uh, what I love is this idea of, of a scab versus a scar. If you have a scab, you still have a wound. If something bumps up against that scab, it can open that wound again, and it bleeds, and it can get infected. Uh, but if you have a scar, you, it doesn't rip open anymore. You can rub it, and you can remember that injury, but it's never going to open again. It's completely healed. The process of God taking me back into that wound and taking years for it to heal completely was painful. I hated every second of it. But now as I look back on that, I know that it was by his mercy that he invited me back into that because he has done a complete healing. And now I feel like I can talk about that as an embarrassment as it was. As, as, I, as I reflect back on that, I hate that that happened to me. But as I reflect on that scar in my life, I know that God is true to his word and that in his promises, he says that he will take all things and he will make something good come from it. I know that God will redeem what happened to me. I know that good will come from it. Who knows? Maybe your story line aligns with mine. Maybe you feel God's call to go back into a wound that, that, that you carry so that he can offer a full and complete healing. If me taking the risk and sharing the story of what happened to me is going to help even one person, it was worth it. And that's why I think King Me is so important. I grew up in a home where dad was not involved in the process of initiating me into a man. And I go to a place where in my dad's absence, that person should have filled in that gap, but instead, I was abused and hurt. Morgan Snyder in his book, Becoming a King, says, the primary work of God is finding men to whom he can entrust his power. 
and the story of most men is being entrusted with power and it bringing harm to themselves and those under their care. And that's why I think King Me and ministries similar to this are so important. There are far too many men walking around with the title of man, but they have no real sense of what it truly means to be a man, which makes them incapable of making more men. There's no other option. John Eldred says it. He says, masculinity is bestowed. A boy learns who he is and what he's got from another man or a company of men. There's no other option here. Shepherds don't make sheep. Sheep make sheep. Men alone make men. It's God's great design. I echo a host of men that say that there are three musts when it comes to duplicating masculinity. Number one is masculinity must be defined. It's hard to hit a target if you can't see. I went and played golf with a friend of mine many, many years ago, and the guy was a pretty good golfer, gets up on the tee, crushes the ball, hits it dead right in the middle of the fairway, and he's looking at that as the best golf hit he's ever had. And then he realizes, as we're all laughing, that he completely uh, missed the, the, the fairway. He had lined up going in the wrong direction. The sad truth is that if you ask 10 different men to define what it means to be a man, there's a good chance that you're going to have 10 very different answers. Once masculinity is defined, the next step is to develop a process to initiate these boys into men. If you know where point A is and where point B is, and you're wanting to go from A to B, you have to have a map of how to get from here to there. So once you define masculinity and you develop a process of bringing boys from where they are into manhood, the last thing you need to do, and our society doesn't do this very good, is you need to celebrate their arrival into manhood. And this can be an actual celebration, but it also must be an entrance into accountability to the very men this young man aspires to be like. There's a man or a group of men that look at this young man and say, we have seen you grow into this man and you're, you're taking all the right steps. We, we welcome you, but now we want you to understand that as you walk, if you step out of bounds, we're going to, we're going to come around you in love and, and we're going to hold you accountable to the very things that we have taught you and brought you through. I think it's pretty clear that our world doesn't do that. We have no idea what masculinity is. We, it's under attack completely in schools and universities, in the news, in the media, in families. You watch TV and, and you look at the kind of dads that they parade out there and, and this is who we are. Uh, we have no idea what it truly means to be a man. And even if we did, what's the process of taking these young boys and bringing them there? And what does it look like to really, truly celebrate the arrival of a young man into manhood? John Eldridge in his book, Wild at Heart, says that if we're being honest, if you were to be able to peel back the reality of every man, what you're going to find out is his deepest fear is that he's going to be exposed in the presence of other men as not having what it takes to be a man. I can honestly say that that was my life. That's where I was, not having a dad who was intentional and having another man um, use what I was looking for only to hurt me. But God in his infinite goodness loved me enough not to leave me in that wound. He didn't want to leave it open. He truly did open it. He brought me back into that. And he has allowed it to heal in a way that only he can heal it. 
And now here I stand, at least still in the process of becoming the man that he wants me to be. But I feel initiated. I feel confident in who I am. I feel capable to, to lead my family, to use my strength to serve them, to love them, to stand up and step in the gap and protect them from the evil that this world wants to bring into our home. I refuse to let my three boys grow up not knowing what it means to be a man and not having somebody love them enough to bring them through a process and not to have somebody that looks over them and says, I validate you as a man. And with all the daughters that I have, I need them to see what it looks like to be a man. When my oldest son, Dennis, was four years old, he caught me one day praying. And he said to me, he's like, Dad, why do you read your Bible? Why do you pray? And I remember that God sort of pressed this answer upon my heart in that moment. I said, you know, D, I'm not smart enough to lead this family. I'm not strong enough to be the man that God wants me to be. I need God to lead me so that I can lead this family. There are a lot of men that understand that. And I want to use King Me to bring them out of the woodwork. And I want to let them shine. I want to celebrate what they've done and what they're doing and how they're making a difference in our world. And I've met a ton of men who want to do what's right. They want to lead their families. They want to make an impact in society, but they don't know what they, what they don't know. And it's my prayer that God would use this ministry and other ministries just like it to give these men something more than just a sheath, to give them the sword necessary for them to take their place in this battle. To reiterate the quote that was at the beginning of this week's podcast, out of every 100 men, 10 don't belong. 80 of them are just targets. Nine of them are the real fighters, and we are lucky to have them. But one... Ah, that one is a leader, and he's the one that's going to bring the others back. That's what I hope King Me is. I hope King Me is the process of finding and equipping the one that he's going to lead the others back and to give men more than just a sheath, but to give them and equip them with the sword necessary so that they can step up and step between their families, their loved ones, and the evil world that wants to destroy them. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this week's podcast. I thank you for the privilege to be a part of this new ministry, whatever it's going to be. I thank you for a story that uh, has a lot of pain tied to it, but it also has your fingerprints all over it as you've brought me through full healing. And I pray both are a help and an invitation to those that are listening that you want to raise up a generation of men who know what it's like and what, it, what you meant when you meant man. And that those that have been wounded, that as you're inviting them into it, that they would have the, the courage to walk with you and allow you to bring full healing. Father God, we love you. We are desperate for you. We are under your authority. You have the first and the last word of what happens to us, and we trust you. We love you implicitly, Father God, and you have proven to be worthy of our praise and our adoration. We pray this all in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. All right, guys, thanks for listening to podcast number three. That was a tough one to get through. It took a lot of uh, prayer and courage to say what I had to say. I hope it was helpful. If it was, awesome. Thank God, praise God. If you're still in that wound or, or God is inviting you into that wound and you want somebody to kind of talk you through it and walk you through it, uh, send an email. I definitely wouldn't mind uh, reaching out back to you guys and helping you walk through it. 
But hey, until next time, next week, I'm looking forward to uh, looking at uh, Joshua chapter 7 and uh, looking at uh, what it's like to have sin in the camp. Until next time, God loves you. So do I. Have a great week.